Um, this morning, we're going to start a, a, a series from Matthew's Gospel, and the title of it is Great Awakening, Matthew Style. Great Awakening, Matthew Style, and part one is called today, Stirred by the Word. And this will probably be a 10 to 12 part series, and it's about Great Awakening. You see, Matthew experienced something absolutely beautiful. His heart may have been prepped by listening to the preaching and teaching of Jesus, but there was a moment when Jesus Christ walked up to his IRS booth and looked him right in the eye and said two words. And those two words changed Matthew's life forever and gave him a personal great awakening. An awakening that helped him to detach from the security of of financial um, success, making so much money illicitly and his taxing, the security of his religious background in Judaism. Jesus walked up to Matthew and he said two words. Those words, follow me. And the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that he arose... That is, he left those securities, left his religion, left his, the security of culture, left the security of money, left everything, and followed Jesus. And you know, isn't that the call of Jesus for a great awakening in all of our hearts? There are things we have to leave. There are things we have to do, we have to arise and walk away from in our following of Jesus. If you try to drag them along with, as you try to follow Jesus, they're just going to get in the way. You let him go, and you go into the amazing future, the personal great awakening. You know the word woke is pretty popular today. That's a counterfeit concept of the, of the spiritual great awakenings that God has given the church over, over centuries and centuries and centuries. A great awakening is what God gave to Matthew. And because of his personal experience, he, God put within him a vision for reaching other Jews that were like him, that were finding their security in religion instead of in, in God himself. And you know, we are so grateful for the book of Acts because the book of Acts gives us a part two to the gospels. You remember that Luke's gospel says, Theophilus, this is what Jesus began to do and to teach. And then in the book of Acts, he says, Theophilus, this is what Jesus continued to do and to teach through the church. But what we have in the book of Acts is this a limited view. We have Peter and John's apostleship in the early days of the book of Acts, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out on all the disciples, 120. And then we have Luke, Luke's own personal testimony following the apostle Paul around for the rest of the book of Acts. And we are so grateful for the book of Acts. But you know, there were other, there was 11 other disciples out there, 11 other apostles. And we don't have a, a book of Acts records for them. But what we do have is their gospel, some of them. And one of them is, uh, is Matthew. And what, it's a little bit like listening in to one end of a telephone conversation. You can't get the whole picture, but you can get most of it. The message of, by listening into a, a, a one side of a phone conversation, and that's what we do when we read the Gospel of Matthew. We hear something profound. We hear something beautiful. We hear something amazing because Matthew pressed into his future, knowing that he had said that that God, that Jesus had said to Peter, "Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." That that 
that um, upon this rock, Peter, that was Peter's sermon on the book, in the book of Acts. 3,000 people were born again at that moment, and then from then on, all the disciples were proclaiming the gospel in their various contexts. And even though after the stoning of Stephen, um, everybody was scattered, they preached the gospel wherever they went, spread the fire, but it says the disciples, the rest of the disciples stayed in Jerusalem area. And the, and the early church history tells us that Matthew stayed in Jerusalem area and Judea and preached primarily to Jews. And that's what we get from listening in to one side of the conversation by reading Matthew's gospel. And the personal great awakening that he experienced, he had a faith for, he had a faith for the beginning of a global explosion of blessing and revival that he, he would start spreading in his generation, expecting um, Jesus to come back any moment, but doing all that he could to spread the fire primarily to Jews. He wanted to see Jews for Jesus emerge with great power and fire, and that's um, why he focuses what he, what he does in so, so much of the references to the Old Testament. But um, what I want to do... Uh, to this morning is to talk a little bit about how Matthew himself was stirred by the word and how um, that great awakening in his heart was spread to the church he served in and around Jerusalem, um, to the gen- his own generation and the generation following, probably for 30 or 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, and then how um, he was stirred to go to the nations himself at his, after, after he retired from his apostolic ministry in Judea. He had a vision that captivated him, that possessed him. He knew that when he preached, God preached. He knew that when he studied and wrote um, his gospel, that God would use it for his generation and for the generations to come until Jesus came back. That's my introduction This is the first talking point. Matthew stirs up a spiritual great awakening by his Bible teaching. By his Bible teaching, we mean his Old Testament Bible teaching and his writing and his preaching. So what were his sources? He remembered Jesus' teaching. He remembered Jesus' teaching. And remember what Jesus said about his teaching? The words I say unto you are what? They are spirit and they are life. Sometimes we think of uh, the, the, the New Testament as being some kind of dictation where they sat down with their quill pen and they just heard word for word what God said and they wrote it down. But that's not how it was. The Bible in the New Testament and the Old Testament is very much like Jesus himself. It's fully divine, but it's also human. It, was, the, it comes to us through Matthew's remembering. Matthew's gospel comes to us from Matthew remembering what Jesus and meditating on, on what Jesus had taught, those, the supernatural words and life of Jesus. But Matthew sets himself to studying the Old Testament. And do you know that in the Matthew's gospel, there's over 100 prophetic references to Jesus because of his study. And Matthew wasn't just some dry theological scholar. I like what um, Smith Wigglesworth said, great revivalist in the early 1900s in Europe and in in England and in U.S. Smith Wigglesworth said, some people study the Bible in Hebrew, some in Greek. I like to study the Bible in the Holy Ghost. And this is Matthew. 
in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he studied the Old Testament and it came alive to him. And what in his, in his work with the Jews, who had great respect for the um, Old Testament, were dealing with the same religious uh, strongholds that were present with when Jesus was there in the generations after Jesus around Jerusalem. And what Matthew does is, is he corners the Jewish people with with their own words. He corners them with all these prophetic references about Jesus into a corner of where they, their only option is to believe. And this is the profundity of his great awakening that was in his own experience, but that he passed on to the church of his generation in and around Jerusalem. Matthew was absolutely gripped by the words of Jesus. In Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, you go. All authority is given to us. Therefore, you go and you teach. And Matthew, each one of the apostles, um, uh, the, the four gospels, have a theological passion, have a, have a goal they're trying to impart. Um, uh, Mark is Jesus, the servant. He serves other people and the church serves other people in the anointing of the spirit. And Luke is Jesus, the savior of the world. And John uh, is, is Jesus, the word of God on display in Revelation. And Matthew is, Matthew's is that the Old Testament promises and, and um, message of the Old Testament finds its utter and complete fulfillment in one person. His name is Jesus Christ. Matthew is the only one that uses the phrase, but he uses it 12 times. This happened in the life of Jesus in order that it may be fulfilled. And there's that number 12, number of completion, number of fulfillment. Over and over again, he's the only one that uses it. This happened in order that the Old Testament word of God might be fulfilled in Jesus. And this is a, this is a statement that I think is something that I want to just have us wrap our minds and hearts around Put on the screen, please. Jesus is the personal embodiment of centuries and centuries and centuries of Old Testament prophetic expectation. In his person, in his person, Jesus is the personal embodiment of centuries of Old Testament prophetic expectation. So much so that even though Matthew's gospel was not written first, Mark's was, the early church decided we've got to put Matthew first in the New Testament order because Matthew is the bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's the continuity of the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is a, a linchpin verse as we continue this morning. What Jesus says, Matthew quotes Jesus saying, Matthew 13, verse 16, blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired, there was a burning desire in the Old Testament um, generations to see what you see, did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. But coming forth in your own hearing and coming forth in your own seeing, 
are what they, down through the centuries, hoped for, expected, and wanted to see. You get to see, and you get to hear. And those words apply to you and to me and all the church down through the ages. In present tense experience, you get to see Jesus. You get to hear Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. And you see, experience Jesus in a way that is a, is a real, real dynamic. Many of us have had visions of Jesus. We've, we can, in prayer or in worship, actually see him in the spirit. And he is infinite, his infinite beauty is manifest to us. And as we read the pages of the New Testament, with the words of the New Testament, there's revelation to us about Jesus. And, and we, are, we are pulled in to the gospel. It's a great theologian, Sam Adams, some of you will remember, once put it this way. Hang around the creek long enough and you are sure to slip in. And that's what happened with Matthew's preaching the gospel and with the Old Testament. People slipped into Christ. That's what happens in, with us as we give ourselves to the word of God. We find ourselves slipping in more and more to the experience and the beauty and the pleasure and the satisfaction of having Jesus in our life. That's what we want to do just now as we consider application of this part of the talk. Like Matthew in the church he served, we want to allow ourselves to be stirred by the word to experiencing Jesus. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We all enjoy the revelation that Jesus has given us of himself, the revelation of the Father, the revelation of and by the Holy Spirit. There is an there is a appetite that we have that is that builds and grows. Our hunger for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit grows by tasting of him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more we experience of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, the more we respond to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, giving revelation of the Father experientially, giving revelation of the Son, giving revelation of himself, the more we experience him, we experience the Trinity, the more we are satisfied. And that, there's that within us that only responds to a, a sense of completeness in our union with the, the members of the Trinity. But also there is a hunger that's stirred up for even more. And so we praise God for this anointing of faith and experience that he has given to us. And it is by the word of God. It is, it is, it is, by, it is by exposing our minds and our, and our hearts it is by looking to the word of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to, that, we, that we find ourselves along the creek bank and slipping in to more and more of the wonders and joys of knowing him personally. I know my own personal time in the morning is my, it's the 40, 40 minutes I give myself to just studying and um, the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and listening to preaching and teaching I particularly enjoy from the Word of God. But I, it's the fastest 40 minutes of my whole day. It just goes so quick. And I find myself stirred and hungry for more and more of God. And I do other study and um, prayer throughout the day, but that 40 minutes with my coffee and, and Jesus is just the best. And, and I know we don't all have 40 minutes for that, uh, that kind of time, but... Any time we have, it just goes by like this. 
and this tasting of God through the word and through, his, and, and through experiencing the word, we find the word to be spirit in life to us, don't we? One of our young moms came to me the other day and, and uh, walked up in a service and said, is, is there any kind of read the Bible through plans, a new Christian gal? And she says, she says, I want to read the Bible through in a year. And that, this thrilled me because I know that you can't, put, you can't make a commitment to read the Bible through in a year or listen to it through in, in a year's time without being blessed by the word in a way that stirs faith and our hunger for God for, for even more. So like Matthew and the church he served, let's give ourselves permission to be stirred by the word, okay? Give ourselves permission to be utterly, utterly wrecked by the promises of God in the Bible. Hallelujah. Second talking point. Matthew stirs up a spiritual great awakening by his teaching from the three greatest Bible leaders in Jewish history. I wonder if you could guess who they are. Would you say, would you agree with Matthew? He, he focuses three great leaders, Abraham and Moses and King David. And he basically says that, that what each of these three great leaders stood for in the salvation history of God's people Jesus Christ fully completes. Jesus Christ fully completes the message of Abraham, the message of Moses, and the message of King David. And Matthew is at pains to emphasize this for us. We won't get to Abraham, I mean, sorry, we won't get to uh, Moses and King David till next week, but I want to spend the balance of our time together looking at what Matthew says about the inspiration and paradigm of faith that Abraham is for God's people. God's covenant with Abraham is the rock-solid foundation of the story of the Old Testament. He says, in, God says in Genesis 17, I will be your God and you and your seed, you and your seed will be my people. Then in Genesis 22, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Paul picks, picks it up in talking about those passages. In Romans 9, he says, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as seed. So Paul, a Jew, is saying, my physical Jewishness adds no benefit to my eternal salvation. The children of the flesh, they're not the children of God. The Jews have to access the, 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 the covenant now, the ongoing covenant that, he be, that God began with Abraham. They have to access it through Jesus just like the Gentiles do. There's no blessing outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus actually says to the Jews at one point, unless you believe in me, listen carefully, it's in the present tense, it's rather alarming. Unless you believe in me, the wrath of God, present tense, abides lives, rests on you. Present tense. Hope for the Jews, as well as hope for the Gentiles, is in one person. The message of the covenant of Abraham is to Abraham and his seed. And the Apostle Paul says that that word, just like in the English language, it can mean lots of seeds. My dad 
used to say, I'm going to go to the grain store and buy the feed store and buy some seed. And he just didn't mean one seed. He meant bags and bags of seed. But he said seed. So it means lots of seeds. But it also means it can mean one. And the Apostle Paul says that the, all the covenant promises of Abraham are to Abraham and to his seed singular, who is Jesus. And everyone connected to Jesus is a full Abrahamic covenant partner, a full member of all the covenants of the Old Testament. There's a big target on you if you believe in Jesus. You are experiencing covenant level favor and blessing way beyond what you ever will ever know or understand in this life. You, the, the favor of God is resting on you like you have no idea you have because you are a full-blown, full, full-blown recipient of all the promises of the Old Testament. They're yours. And praise God for later on in Romans, the Apostle Paul says that there's going to be a credible revival among the Jewish people and there's going to be tons and tons of them come in to faith in Christ. And we anticipate, pray for, look forward to that. But we are just as much Jews in covenant promise as Jewish, as Jews for Jesus are in this day. If you're a Jew today, if you're here today and you're a Jew, you're a full-blown covenant recipient. And if you're a Gentile here today, you're a full-blown Jewish covenant recipient. You have a connection to Abraham. You have a connection to Moses. You have a connection to King David. A full connection. You don't have to sit in another area of the synagogue anymore. You don't have to stay in the court of the Gentiles anymore. Not only do you have access to the holiest of holies, you get it not once a year, but you get it every time you look up to the Father. The holiest of holies, the glory of God, is your covenant promise. That should make us happy. Galatians 3, verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And Matthew emphasizes <laughs> See, he's got a revival going on with the his own generation and the generation following his generation, the kids of his generation. He's got a revival on his hands, a kingdom expression where there's thousands and thousands of people coming to faith. A great awakening is happening in his midst. But he's facing the battles, the same battles of the, of the Pharisees and the legalists and the lawyers and the, and the scribes that Jesus did. And so what Matthew does is he uses the words of Jesus to break down those barriers and, and tell the truth in a way where the truth helps set people free. So he emphasizes some of the teaching of Jesus that's, that's, that's kind of tough. Well, clearly, very, very tough. But some, you know that when you're talking to legalists, the thing that works the best, I remember Chuck Smidall saying this years ago, that with legalists, you have to be kind and gentle, but you have to be tough. You have to tell them like it is. And so that's why we have Matthew um, emphasizing John the Baptist attacking head-on the dominant theology of his day, the preoccupation with outward religion and not the inner issues of the heart. The religion of the day was outward performance, but, but not the inner issues of the heart. And John the Baptist uh, attacks that head on when he says in Matthew 
3, verse 7, he says, it says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. You have no blessing from just being a child of Abraham physically. That's what he's saying. If you believe that, you're a brood of vipers. Do not think to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father, genetically. For I say to you, God's able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. See, he's ripping this, their security right out from under them. And what are they going to grasp for? What's, what's their hope? And then Matthew uh, and, and the, in the preaching of Jesus offers them an anchor point. Jesus himself is the new security. You have to get up and leave your tax booth to follow Jesus. You have to leave securities behind. How many of us have had to leave securities, certain securities behind in order to follow Jesus? It's so true. It's so true. But one of the cool things about leaving all to follow Jesus is that you get Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then, then Matthew says in, in chapter 8, verse 11, about, the, about the, uh, when Christ comes back, many from the east and the west will come and sit down with Abraham, but the sons of the kingdom, what's he's talking about the Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus. Many from the east and west, that is Gentiles, will come and sit down with Abraham. Covenant promise in, in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. It is, a, it is a firm, solid, sad declaration against Jews who don't believe in Jesus. And that's what he's doing in his day. He's not only saying to the Jews, you've got to trust and have your anchor point in me, Jesus, but you have got to be the, the, um, the key component, the key factor for reaching out to the Gentiles to include them, to include them in the covenant family. Matthew is preaching to the, his, his, in the revival of his day saying, you guys are the secret to the success of global evangelization. Not only do you Jews not, must not trust the, the law of religion anymore, but you've got to trust Jesus, but you've got to welcome as full-blown citizens of, of the Jewish promises down through the ages, every single Gentile that believes in Jesus. It's your humble job to do that. That's what he says. And thank God that they responded and they were part and parcel of the great evangelization of the world in Matthew's day that, that propelled the, the, uh, the church to even to this point where we are today. Wasn't it true that Abraham himself had to leave the security of his home in Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan? That's so do we. Matthew imparts a Jews for Jesus vision of the full inclusion of the nations, the ethnicities. And he gives us an appetizer, Matthew does, with the Magi. You will remember that the Magi came and gave the message to Jerusalem, but how many of the people of Jerusalem went with them to see Jesus at Bethlehem's stable? None. They all were bound up in their religion and the neurotic fear and paranoia of Herod the king. Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
Matthew is giving us an appetizer for Gentile inclusion because the Magi are all Gentiles. And he's saying they're the ones that found Jesus and not in this context, the Jews. Hurrying along as we finish up. Teach all nations, Jesus says. Teach, make disciples of all ethnicities. Baptizing them, teaching them. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. Includes us. How do you apply Matthew's teaching about Abraham as we, as we wrap this up today? Rejoice often that you, that you are fully in. Rejoice often that you are fully in. All the promises of the Old Testament complete in Jesus. You're in Jesus. You're a recipient of the, of the tsunami of God's favor, prophetic favor talked about in the Old Testament and the New. Rejoice that you're often that you're fully in. And then commit to the very worthy mission of doing something to help others get fully in. Be involved in some level in helping with the mission. Just being part of New Song Church is a good idea because we have a deep commitment to win souls. Send people globally. Preach at Oregon universities. One, one time, a few years ago, we took seven days, 12 evangelists, seven days to go to 20 universities in Oregon and colleges. 500 college students prayed to be saved. Over 500. And we did follow up by asking them, who's been praying for you? 80% of the ones that prayed to be saved, 80% could tell us who's been praying for them. Call them, text them, let them know. They'll disciple you into greater levels of supernatural joy in Jesus. Here's some of the global missions we've done. By the way, Matthew went to the nations later, as after he retired, as did Pamela and, and Larry Dixon. They went, they went to the nations. Malaysia, Cyprus, Yemen. Thank you for doing that, you guys. Aaron Peterson. I love, uh, he, he's, in, he's in South Korea, Seoul, helping to North Koreans, prison camps, to uh, people to escape from them now. But listen carefully to this, this quote from Aaron. Once while I was living in Japan, I led two Portuguese-speaking women to Christ. By sharing the gospel in Spanish to a Spanish-speaking friend who knew Portuguese and translated my gospel presentation into Portuguese <laughs> while he's in Japan. <laughs> Way to go, Aaron. Jamie Sterling worked with us here in Medford, sent her to Aunt Zambia. She got married, and they are full-time missionaries in Zambia. Ashley Ba right now with Heidi Baker working in... The, in uh, Missions overseas. Marty Peterson, Costa Rica and Nicaragua, apostle. Joyce Birchfield's grandson, Joel, is church planting and ministering in the country of Jordan right now. Way to go, Joyce. We support all these people financially too, by the way. You know, over $30,000 every year goes out of our, um, out of our giving over $30,000 every year goes out of our giving to support missions and ministries outside of New Song. So this is a good thing. That should make us put a smile on our hearts. 
Miguel and Rosa's son, Miguel, was 17 years in Estonia planting a church. And then when they came back, Raphael went back to Estonia and took over the work. So there's two Zayas uh, sons at work um, in that church ministry in Estonia in Eastern Europe. We have welcomed... Uh, we have welcomed people from the nations early on. There was a prophetic word over New Song that, that the nations would come to us. I had no point of reference for why, how that could happen in Medford. So Northern European here, largely. But, you know, it's happened. The nations have come to us. We have hosted, our church has hosted a Russian church in our buildings. We've hosted a Philippine house church. We've hosted two Hispanic congregations over the years. We host Medford Christian, Chinese Christian Fellowship right now. Steve and Sarah Smith doing a great work ministering to the 200 people in Medford area whose primary language is, is Chinese. They're doing a wonderful work with their house church to this day. I was in a Walmart parking lot a few months ago. I led a guy to Christ that his primary language, his language of heaven for him is Spanish. And he said to me, You've got to get this message to Mexico. There's so many people in Mexico that need to hear this. And, you know, I, I, I thought to myself afterwards, you know, what we have with people in Latin America are largely Catholic. And the, one of the great gifts of Catholicism is to uh, teach people to honor God, even to fear God, and also to, um, and to respect family and, and family values that are evident in the Scripture. And one of the things that's going on right now um, is that every month over 200,000 people are pouring over our southern border. And that's rather alarming, isn't it, at a certain level because we don't know who's coming in. Uh, it could be, there is very much a concern about that, but uh, a valid concern. But you know what else? There are a lot, a lot, most of them are Catholics. And the Bible says the law, the Catholic law, in a sense, leads people to Christ. They are so ready because they already have the fear of God. They already have family values. They already, they're just so ready for the gospel. So I hope that you will pray for these 200,000 people every single month that pour over, our, pour over our southern border, that God will lead them to evangelists and that they'll be saved because they are so ready. They're almost there. And when the revival is, sweeps through that Latin American um, um, uh, tsunami of people that's flooding into the USA right now, you know what? That's going to help change the fabric of our nation towards Jesus Christ. Let's stand up. Matthew arose from his security and followed Jesus. I want you to arise from all securities outside of Jesus, and follow him. No matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, there's always opportunities to follow him, to get up. Hear his words to you. Follow me. Follow me. Keep your eyes on him. Let's consider as we close, and I bless you with a prayer. The words of Martin Luther in the, in the Protestant Reformation. He said, I neither look upon my holiness, 
I don't look at my holiness. I don't look at my unworthiness. Some people look at their holiness and think God owes them. Most of us look at our unworthiness. But Martin Luther gives us this advice. I neither look upon my holiness nor my unworthiness, but I look to Jesus Christ, who is both holy and worthy. Hallelujah. Start with Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. If you haven't made that commitment to follow him, come up to the altar on this side. We'll have an evangelist pray with you to be saved. If you're new to New Song, come on up. I have a present for you. I want to meet you if I haven't met you yet. And we have on this side a pastoral care team that will release signs and wonders into your life, miracles into your life through prayer. Put your hands on your heart. Hallelujah. We are full recipients of the promise. We are targeted for grace and blessings. We are fully in. And to say thank you, Jesus, we want to help others get fully in. That's our pledge to you as we go our way in Jesus' name. I love you. God loves you. Have a good day.